Hi everyone, and you're very welcome to Reinventing the Next Chapter, a podcast where I speak to women who either through choice or through circumstance have had to take a step back, reevaluate their lives and make some powerful changes. I'm your host, Elaine Ryan, life, career and relationship coach. If you're feeling stuck or not where you thought you'd be in life, my hope is that these stories will give you the inspiration and more importantly, the motivation to take the first step towards reinventing your next chapter. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Reinventing the Next Chapter. Today, I am joined by Kerry White, wellbeing facilitator, yoga teacher, solo mother by choice to the gorgeous Freya, and motherhood parity coach, which some of those terms may be new to you. We'll explain them all in a moment. And this is a birthday bonus episode because Kerry's daughter Freya and I share the same birthday in January. So we thought it would be nice to to record the podcast at this time. So welcome, Kerry. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much, Elaine. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. And happy birthday to Freya. Thank you. I've given a brief introduction to you there, but would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself? So I became a solo mother by choice almost three years ago. Well, actually three years ago today, I was 49. I was two months before my 50th birthday, which of course I never imagined would ever happen at that point. So that's where I'm at now. And my work as a as a solo motherhood coach um, focuses on supporting women who are looking or contemplating following an alternative path to motherhood. So that is one of my hats because I have a few, as you know, Elaine. And I'm a workplace well-being facilitator um, and speaker, keynote speaker. I'm a group coach facilitator as well as an individual coach um, in the corporate and workplace world. And I'm a yoga teacher. That's something I've been doing now for about 14 years. And even before those things, I became a shiatsu therapist. So that's over 20 years ago was that training. And so I merged many of these different mind-body practices and my coaching skills and my coaching training together now and have have quite a diverse toolkit that I use to help people in these different environments. So everything is linked, really. Mm-hmm. I see all of the different uh, services and uh, offerings that I have, that they're all somehow very much connected and helping people feel as well as possible physically, mentally, emotionally, socially and spiritually. Great. And so many hats and such a juggling act. And just to clarify, shiatsu, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Could you just explain what that is? So shiatsu is basically like a manual uh, bodywork therapy or massage therapy. And it has the same origins as acupuncture, which comes from traditional Chinese medicine. So it's kind of like acupuncture without the needles, where we press specific points along specific pathways or meridians in the body to help restore the natural flow of balance to help ease different symptoms, whether it's related to stress or anxiety, aches and pains in the body. So anything you can think of, it just helps to restore health. And I've been doing that for for many, many years. And 
I bring that into my yoga classes actually through working on specific meridians and show people self-help acupressure points as well. And I do all of this in the workplace too. Perfect. It's fascinating because that's the shiatsu is something I, I only heard about through you, something new. So I guess if we take it back to the start when you were younger and in school and I'm sure phrases donor mother by choice and um, motherhood clarity coach were completely foreign to you. Um, yeah. What, and you mentioned at the start that you work with people find an alternative path to motherhood. Mm-hmm. So did you assume when you were younger that you would follow the traditional <laughs> family setup and <laughs> life would be as it is in the fairy tales? Yeah. You would go off into the sunset with the prince <laughs> and have your baby and everything would be... Yeah, got it. It would be, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like, like most of us, I just... A big romantic, you know, I always was focused on the the man and the relationship and presumed that my life would follow that traditional path, that everything would slot into place, you know, when you do these five-year plans. And I think the first one I did, I was like maybe 30 when I was doing my first shiatsu course and we had to do one of these five-year plans. And I thought, oh my God, I'm way beyond that now. I was supposed to be married now with at least two kids. Mm-hmm. So yes, I absolutely knew I always wanted to have kids. I always loved kids, always gravitated towards them, loved babysitting. Everything was in my heart was, you know, I was leading, my life was leading up to that point where I married my soulmate and um, would become a mother and have like a happy full house full of kids. So, you know, I think in lots of ways I'm clued in and I was working in the area of health at this point for a long time. And, um, you know, when I look back now, I kind of go, what was I doing? How did I get to this point where I was just so deluded in a way about how my life would go? If we just take a step back then as well. So you assumed when you were older that that would happen. You you thought by 30, you'd be married with two kids. Not a problem. It was all going to be as easy as that. And I suppose from a career point of view, what did you think that you were going to do or when you left it? Good question, actually. I was always drawn to the area of health. I always thought that I would make a good nurse, but I I didn't pursue that path for different reasons. But my calling was always to the area of health. But it was also, um, I was also very drawn to travel and ended up going to live in Paris when I was 20 and I studied French and marketing in college. So yeah, so I followed the call to, to travel and had a wonderful life in Paris, having lots of fun and earning quite good money in my early 20s. But I wasn't satisfied on the work level. I was working as a bilingual secretary in a top legal firm and made some of my best friends there. We're all still very, very close. So it was a wonderful time. But yeah, something was missing in in the work. You know, I was learning French. It was a first paid job. It was wonderful. But I knew I wasn't going to stay in that field for very long. So that was what I was doing throughout my 20s. Eventually was drawn to the World Health Organization in Geneva. So that brought me much closer, I suppose, to where my heart was telling me to go, which was a great opportunity. And um, I, I worked in different health projects there. So that was definitely much more aligned where I wanted to be. Um, and I had the international aspect and the travel and 
it, it was wonderful. Um, but I wanted something more. I wanted to work with people in a hands-on way. And it was kind of going back just a couple of years to my late 20s. It was actually, in, I was in Australia for about a year. And that was where I started uh, exploring yoga and massage therapy. Then that brought me closer to where I wanted to be. And I started doing courses, started doing my shiatsu course, which was a huge turning point for me. And I was actually in WHO at that point. And I, and I started bringing my shiatsu um, hands-on work to the staff there. So very stressed out people in public health and many very, very stressed, uh, lots of travel, high-risk environments, very political environments, you can imagine. And um, I did my thesis on uh, stress in the workplace at that point on the shiatsu because there's a lot of theory and a lot of anatomy and other stuff related to the shiatsu three-year course which it was part-time so that brought me a lot closer to where I wanted to be in work and I was juggling the full-time stressful job at the desk in WHO with working at lunchtimes and evenings doing my hands-on shiatsu with with people there so that was the first big step a few hats even at that stage, you were uh, the juggling act of, of that job there. And the WHO, that must have been amazing and living in Geneva. It was. That's a whole other story. It's um, very much like a second home, but it was a hugely formative um, part of my life, personally, professionally. I still have very strong links with WHO, actually. That was where I started my yoga teaching as well. So when I go back, obviously, there's been a few big distractions in the last three years. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I I plan to go back more regularly and, yeah, do my the the work. I've also delivered some other sessions in the more, you know, corporate type of uh, talks and programs to staff there. So I'm very much in contact with WHO and some of my best friends who we were with. We were together in Paris, also ended up. In Geneva so yeah it's very much a second home for me very important yeah I've never been um I'd love to go it's definitely on the list mm-hmm. what we've covered there is that when you were when you were younger you thought you were going to you had an interest from a career perspective in health which through various routes of going through Paris and then to Geneva you ended up mm-hmm. working in that area that was a bit more aligned with what yeah. you originally wanted to do and then from a personal point of view, you had always thought that you would have the traditional marriage and kids. It sounds like when you were in Geneva, the career part had happened. So on the, the personal side of things, were you still focused on the on that traditional aspect? Mm, I was, yeah. I, you know, at that stage, I suppose we're talking now, I was heading into my mid-30s having a great life, having fun. But what I really wanted was, you know, that loving relationship and then to have my family. And by by 35, I was really starting to get worried. So yeah, and, and I was in and out of relationships, if I'm honest, you know, and, and everyone, I was hoping that this was going to be the one. And that's a lot of weight and a lot of expectation to bring into each relationship. Yeah. So I see, you know, and, and I was struggling, you know, I was um, at times quite low and um, but I was going into every relationship really seeing is this person going to 
make my dream come true. It was all dependent on this person. So it's kind of no wonder in a way if I was bringing those expectations into the relationships. And I, and I also didn't want to compromise either. You know, I kind of wanted everything really. Which is okay, which is allowed. Which is, and I mean, yeah. I'm sure you were looking at other people who had everything as you thought, you know, who had yeah. what you wanted to do wasn't unusual. Get married, have kids. I think for Absolutely. so many people, it, it seems to be yeah. so easy or it looks so easy. Yes. And Absolutely. Um, from my perspective, I know, so I can I identify very much with that in your mid-30s. You do have that rising panic and you can't understand why you can't seem to get it right, I suppose. as And then, it, it, as you said, it does put a lot of pressure. And um, mm. every relationship you're going, is this the, yeah. the father of your future child? So it's pressure mm. on you and them and the relationship. So it's, Absolutely. It's a, lot. it's a lot of expectation. Like God, Elaine, yeah, as you've said, and you know, you know this. There's nothing louder than the tick of a woman's biological clock when she's aching for a baby. I actually wrote a blog about this, which had a big response called The Silent Ache of Childlessness, Not by Choice. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we hear a lot about childlessness through infertility and which might be other area. But, um, you know, when we're childless, because we haven't met that person, because um, our circumstances haven't materialized as we would have hoped in the traditional way, there can be a huge conflict there, you know, about becoming a mother and having a relationship and all of these things. So I was in that space where I was now in my late 30s and I still had my head buried in the sand. I, I didn't realize my fertility was on a big plummet at this point. Although I was working in women's health, I knew a lot of things and from my experience in WHO, but I actually had my head buried. And yeah, and then at the end of another year-long relationship, when I was 40, I was in a state of real depression, actually. And um, not many people would have known that because I was a positive, optimistic person, but it was a really difficult time. And I remember being at my gynecologist when I was 40. Gosh, it's very emotional even thinking about it. And I was in tears and you know, he was, I had to face up to the reality. You know, I had the bloods done. I was 40, that big age. I was single. I was miserable. And I, I just didn't know a way out of it. People were saying, you know, close people or, you know, some people would just encourage me to go on my own and not consider going on my own. And that just made me feel more depressed. I couldn't separate the two from my path. I I, I wasn't ready, I guess. It took me another long time to get ready I think when other people give you advice it depends who they are really and you know just go it alone I'd yeah. say there's no <laughs> just about it it's a massive <clears throat> deal and for, yeah. someone, for someone that hasn't been there and hasn't had to contemplate it and yeah. all the fears and everything that goes along with it it's probably I mean people only mean the best when they give you advice but yeah Sometimes they can kind of say and dismiss it like, you know, I'm sure yeah. you found that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, just go for it on your own. For some people, it's easy. And, and now it's easy for me to be in this side with Freya. It all worked out. But until I was ready, it was like another language. It was huge. I, I and you know, I, I coach many women who are on that side of the field still. 
until we're ready, we are not ready. And we can do things to, you know, I was getting closer to come where, you know, to get where I am now through different steps and through really getting more conscious about what was important to me. You know, the dream was kind of shattered. It was like, I didn't have my wedding. I didn't have my soulmate. It was like, you know, there's a big loss, actually. There's like, I suppose, re we have to deal with and cope with that loss and how we imagined our life would be. And I think unless we've been there, we can't really imagine it. You know, it's quite a unique sense of loss to be going through because there's nothing tangible, but it's a loss of a dream as we imagined it. And that can be a long process. That's where the journey that I was on anyway, and it took the time it took. It was a journey. (laughs) Yeah. So that brought you up to 40, say, when you'd had this uh, meeting with Mm. your gynecologist. That was a bit of a come to Jesus moment. And sounds quite like it was quite scary, probably um, hearing the results. So what happened then throughout your 40s? So... At 41, I was still in WHO at this time. And I suppose I am somebody who makes unusual decisions, as in decisions that get me out of my comfort zone, that some people might go, oh my God, you're mad. And I I have done that, you know, throughout my life. And and I had already um, left, I suppose, a a pensionable job in WHO or in another UN organisation in Geneva when I was in my late 20s. And now I was doing it again at 40. So after almost 10 years in WHO, I wanted to leave it because I wasn't able to work part time there, which was what I wanted to do to do more of my hands on holistic work, helping people through my yoga and my shiatsu work. And I had an opportunity with the startup medical device incubator in Switzerland um, where I was able to do that. So I made that decision when I was 40. And that was a big, I suppose, another big wake up. Um, but I, I wanted to follow that calling to work more with people in a hands-on way, although it was risky. So I was still in a secure enough, well-paid position. And I was working part-time still with people in WHO mainly and, and other networks I was creating in, in Geneva. And then I was at 41 and um, a very good friend of mine and me, we went kind of through her encouragement we went to Barcelona to kind of do a recce with a clinic, a well-known fertility clinic there to get my bloods. You know, I had a preliminary meeting with them and that started really me on another journey to consider solo motherhood. But I wasn't ready. They would have accepted me at that point, maybe within a year to go down the journey with my own eggs. But I wasn't ready, you know. Oh, then I met someone else and I thought maybe this is maybe this is the one. Maybe this is going to make my dream come true. But of course, it didn't, you know, and again, that relationship ended a year later. Then panic. <laughs> then I ran the clinic. Okay, I'm ready. I'm going to go for it now on my own. They said, you're, you're too late now. We won't accept you. They had to cut off at 42. Your only option will be to go down the donor egg route and sperm donor. And had you, the donor egg with sperm donor, and had you, presumably you had heard of sperm donor because of you were considering using your own eggs and, and going it alone. But in terms of donors, mm. had that been something that was in your world or you were aware of? Look, I knew it was there, but I didn't think that I was going to need that option. 
I guess I still in a way had my head buried. You know, hope is an amazing thing, but it can also hold us back (laughs) from the reality. And I wasn't facing up to the reality. And I still hoped so much that it would somehow, I was focusing on the stories of the celebrities. Oh, so-and-so got pregnant at 44, 45. There's still time, there's still time. You know, so I was still not ready. And it still took another five years for me to make that call to be ready. I'm ready. I want my dream to come true. I'm ready. I will do whatever it takes. So I hoped and hoped and hoped. And 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 I was in a loving relationship for quite a number of years. At this point, I'd actually come back home to Ireland, but it wasn't his dream. Yeah, that's quite complex, but that was very difficult for me as well, because I didn't want to kind of go down that path with a man unless he was really on board. I wanted him to be on board, really, just for us to create it together. Yeah, so it was a huge, huge pressure internally. And the donor egg thing took, yeah, it took from that age of 41, 42, it took another, say, five years till I was 47 when I was actually ready. But that took my coaching course to find the courage to get in touch with my values and a few other things along the way. But the donor egg thing was huge for me, Elaine. Um, Like it is, I think, for most women, because it's never something we imagine ourselves doing. I mean, the sperm donor's a big thing in its own way, but the donor egg in our head, it's like, I suppose it's not going to be a part of us. And that's being honest. And I've had somebody, even in my family, say that, you know, something similar, but it's not going to be yours. And and I mean, we are dealing with all of these different feelings internally, but also externally as well when we're on this path. So it is very much complex path to take. So I suppose up until 42, you were still thinking you would, if you met someone, you would use your own eggs and then your partner, partner sperm. So then after 42, then I suppose it sounds like you kind of realized if you wanted to go down that route, it would be using donor eggs, but you were still hoping to get the partner in the meantime. And then, so then that kind of brought you up to the point where you were with that partner in your 40s that didn't, it wasn't his dream, as you said. Yeah. When did you make the final decision? Yeah. (laughs) Again, I, you know, it, it was uh, so along this path, I had been doing coaching, which was yeah. a big milestone for me. So that got me in touch with who I am, my deepest wisdom, I, I suppose, you know, and I talk about that a lot in my work. And I got clearer about what was most important to me. And then I was also working with a wonderful psychotherapist who really helped me. So I needed to be not in the relationship. I needed to not be in any relationship to make the decision. And because I kept, it kept on coloring my clarity. I was bringing my partner's feelings, even if he was, we'll do it. If this is what you want, it wasn't the right thing for me. And that might be enough for somebody, but for me, it wasn't right to have somebody who was on board with it just because it was important to me. It was a very loving um, attitude to have. But I thought, no, this is my thing and I got to own it. So I needed to be completely solo to get the clarity. 
this was really hard. This is where I discovered my song, <laughs> my silver lining. And this was a song that helped me a lot. My dad shared it with me on one day when I was very, very upset because little did he know, but I was on that cusp of making the decision to go abroad to try and have my baby through donor egg and donor sperm. I was on the cusp and he introduced me to this song called My Silver Lining and it became my mantra. And it's basically about somebody overcoming challenges, not taking the easy road. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of looking for answers. And it's it became my, my mantra and it really helped me get in touch with me, my strength and all of that courage that I needed. And um, that was one thing that the women's amazing women's coach I was dealing with, Mary Kennedy, and she said something to me that I just want to mention, which really helped because this was also a huge milestone for me. And it was about I'm enough. And it was me getting to the point that I could actually feel that I was enough to be a mother. And it was about me being a mother. And it wasn't about being a partner, being a wife, being in a partnership. It was about Carrie wanting to be a mother, that I was enough. So that was huge. And then I was ready. That was a really powerful statement and a a place to get you to, to acknowledge that you were enough to do it by yourself. Yeah, it was. It was huge. So it really was a journey to get to that point. So as you can see, it wasn't easy. And, and it's okay to get emotional. It's a very, obviously has been a very emotional road to get here. It was. And that was the difficult part. And I think that that's really important that I say that to anybody in this place. That was the difficult part. And that's where we need support. And that's why I'm so passionate now about you know, supporting women in this place. is This is where we need the support because it can be so isolating. So once I made the decision, um, I already had a clinic that I was in touch with for a year, which happened to be in St. Petersburg in Russia. And this felt like the right clinic for me. All of these things, milestones, led me to the point where I was ready. And I felt the fear, but I was going to do it anyway. And I think that's really important to say that. It was a journey. It's still scary being a solo mom, but, you know, no matter what, nothing will ever take away the fact that I have my Freya. And, you know, and from that point, I also think it's really important to say, because I know I was so blessed and so lucky that everything went so well, you know, it took two transfers, but it got easy then once the decision was made. Whether Freya came to be or not, I was doing everything I could to make my dream come true. And that was the point I needed to get to, to feel confident going forward that I was following the right path. Amazing. And on the point about the fears, I don't imagine anyone going down that road doesn't have fears because I suppose there's very little evidence of other people doing it. So there's nobody and a lot of people, I'm sure, told you, you had people telling you, in your early 40s to do it on your own. But I'm sure there was a lot of people saying, oh my God, how are you going to manage it on your own? Did you have? Yeah, really good question. And especially people who are most important to me, like my family, you know, and sometimes I think the people who are most, who have our best interests at heart and like our family, maybe, you know, partners, even if we're doing it with with a partner, we can be held back because of their fears. And that's why 
yeah, for me, it was really important not to share it with, you know, I have to choose who I shared it with. And that was new to me because I'm an open person. I kind of looked to people for almost validation in a way that I was doing the right thing. But that's what it took for me was to get really clear that I can do this. I've traveled the world on my own. I've gone to Paris on my own. I've made decisions that are really difficult in some ways. I've left relationships because they weren't the right ones. I've had my heart broken. I had to really get in touch with those qualities in myself. And one of those things that helped me was choosing who I told. That was really hard for me because I knew if I told, say, my mom, that I would be held back by her fears. And, you know, coming from the right place, I'm very, very close to my mother, but she, I knew in an unconscious way would hold me back. So I kept it to myself and she knows this. So that's okay for me to say that on this. You know, I surprised her when I told her at whatever, nearly three months pregnant, that I was pregnant. I chose to tell a few other people that I knew would have my back and who believed in me. I would say, you've got this, Kerry. You've got this. But they were only very few people um, because, yeah, we can be so influenced. So it's really important for anyone on this path to really almost protect ourselves in a bubble because other people's opinions and fears are theirs. We are quite alone on this path and it has to be really, really um, almost like a sacred path because it is quite unique. And Mm -hmm. whether we're older, whether we are subject to all the fears about being an older mother, whether we are solo, yeah, as you said it, how will you manage? I chose to become a solo mom when I was actually most insecure financially with my own business um, that had been, that you know, I'm still building, but, you know, I've been self-employed since 2014 full-time. I was 48 when I had my first embryo transfer. So if I was to listen to the people who were coming at me or, you know, who would have come at me with lots of information that they thought was helpful, I would never have followed the path. And I never would have Freya now. Yeah, so it's great that you di- you didn't you didn't listen to to that kind of advice. And so only a handful of people knew when you went over to Russia to do it. The first time I went, actually, two of my closest friends came with me who who were based in Geneva, and for different reasons, it, it was lovely. It was really lovely, and we had a lovely time. But it was actually not necessarily the best thing. So the next time I went, because the first time was not successful. So the second time when I went, like two and a half months later, which resulted in Freya, I was alone and um, it was a bit scary, but I was not influenced by anybody else's opinions or feelings at the time. It was just me. And that's the way it had to be. That's, I think, really, really, really important is that we get really clear about what's most important to us on this journey. So a handful of people knew and were very supportive. But when and my amazing women's coach and psychotherapist were really key for me at that time, just to keep me really in that light and in that bubble of who I am and how much being a mother was important to me. And that was the only thing that mattered really. Yeah. yeah, and it sounds like there was a bit of freedom then maybe the second time you went because you didn't have 
for you, but anybody else, you could just contact me. Absolutely. That was freedom. That was that was a really, really important thing. Yeah, it freed up a lot of emotion for me and enabled me just to focus. I'm like, I felt really happy. I remember even the night before the transfer, having a glass of wine, having a meal of my own. And I haven't really done that in a foreign country since I was maybe in my late 20s. And it felt just, yeah, this is me. This is my path. I'm doing it alone. And it felt really exciting, actually. And because as we know, there's a fine line between excitement and fear. They're the same emotions. And I talk about these in my corporate sessions as well. So when we feel fear, we are also feeling excitement to a certain level. So yeah, I was feeling excitement and fear and hope. Great. And hope, um, I'm sure, was important to maintain along yeah. the road from the start. And so in terms of best bits along the way, Freya, obviously, every time you even mention her name, you're kind of beaming. <laughs> Presumably, you were absolutely over the moon when, when she was born and you've had the last three years with her. So how yeah. has that been? You know, like amazing. So I was very lucky to have an amazing pregnancy. Everything was amazing. And I was so happy and was so well throughout my pregnancy, the birth. She was a healthy baby. So, and as a thriving little three-year-old now. So yeah, it's been a roller coaster, you know, like the bigger picture is that Freya is here and that it will always be the most important thing. But, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that there are challenges being a solo mother. There are juggles trying to juggle being self-employed. You know, I have some very flexible coaching clients who will be up for a coaching session late at night. You know, I'm 53 in March and I'm actually still breastfeeding. And I know that's, you know, quite unbelievable. And But I find it really hard to stop. So because I'm on my own with Freya. So like at three in the morning when she's screaming, it's like, do I just keep that screaming going? Or do I just hope she's going to stop one day soon? So I'm managing being tired, but I'm okay. I have good support in my family. It's challenging in many ways, but I have brought all of my tools and my experience to this point that I am doing something that's really, really meaningful to me. Um, I'm coaching women and supporting women who are also on this path. And that's what it's all about. And um, as well as the corporate work and still giving yoga classes and giving shiatsus when I can, you know, the one-on-one hands-on shiatsu massage. So I'm kind of choosing, making choices as to where I put my time in terms of work You know, one of the challenging things I find is that it is a little bit isolating being a solo mom and maybe also being an older mom. So that's one thing I'm going to do is reach out uh, to more networks on a on a personal level and try and make it make the time to connect with other mothers with kids of the same age. Because, you know, I haven't had a night away from Freya. So, you know, there are the challenges. No, not yet. It's tired. It's tiring but she's getting older. So the bond is very, very strong. And that's been my choice. You know, it's, it's the way it's been and it's wonderful. And that's changing. You know, she's like a little girl now. So that is changing. We have a few really nice things to look forward to over the year. When I look back, even through this conversation with you, Elaine, how far we've come, it is like a roller coaster, like life can be, but it doesn't take away from the fact that 
I have made my dream come true. So no matter what the challenges are, I have Freya and it was the right path for me. And I need to make some changes, I know, to be able to be the best person I can, to be able to work more. But that's happening and we're on a journey together and she's just amazing. And I'm so proud of her. I'm so glad and so grateful to my family who my parents, my stepmom, they're my amazing supporters. I've met some amazing women on a personal level and through coaching, a path less trodden. And like anything that's very unknown, I think we need each other. So that's kind of one of my intentions for the year is to connect more with other women on this path, you know, who've who've maybe passed who have kids that are maybe already older and also for Freya to meet other kids who have been conceived through double donors. And I think that's really important as well. It's a journey. Can I ask, um, you mentioned the support and that your your family are very supportive. What was the reaction when, because you obviously didn't tell them when you were doing it because you needed that space and just to make your own decision. What was the reaction when you were pregnant and then when she was born? Amazing. Like, you know, it is amazing that once we make the decisions that are most aligned with ourselves and through confidence and people see the effect on us, you know, and that rubs off. So when I told my mom, I was afraid she was going to have a heart attack, (laughs) but she, she didn't. And I brought her with me, you know, on a few of the scans. She knew how it all happened. She knew that the risks were minimal and everything and you know she was so happy now she's a worrier and then my dad and and his his wife my lovely stepmom Bernie who's more like an older sister they were on board from from day one you know and they were just so excited for me and then other people around me you know I was a bit cautious about making the announcements as well I I was almost I suppose I had a little bit of the imposter syndrome I really have to admit that and I was like, I almost didn't believe it, you know, until I could feel my bump. I almost didn't believe that Freya was there. It was quite a surreal feeling, you know, when there's something you imagine and you visualize. But like when it was me now having that news that I was pregnant, that I was pregnant and I was 49. I mean, it was just kind of surreal. And I just beamed and and radiated happiness and good health every step of the way. And I still am, I know, because I have her. So most days, that's she's like my beacon of light. And um, if I can inspire anybody who's contemplating, it might not be the right path for everybody. I'm not there to say this is the way to go. But if I can help people get in touch with, help women get in touch with their own courage and their own values through my support I offer, then that is what I hope to do. Um, it might not be for somebody, you know, if they're against donor eggs particularly but you know once they do research as well and it'll they inform themselves I would say that that women inform themselves and couples because there's a lot of couples going down the path of donor eggs maybe it will open up a whole new way of having a baby like it did for me because as soon as you have your baby as soon as you feel your baby moving inside you there's no doubt that that's your baby and I'm open about it and um, because she's the best thing I've ever created and will always be the best thing I've ever created. 
So it sounds like if anybody is looking at going down this path, you're you're the perfect person to speak to. But that I think it's an important point to make that you do coaching on this, but presumably some of the outcome of your coaching is that people decide, okay, I've looked into it, but it's not yes. the same thing for me. And the last podcast I did with Alina, she was talking about like looking at, you know, when you're comparing yourself to different people and everybody that was more in a business context, but you can apply it to anything that everybody's circumstances are different. So if you don't, support is such a massive aspect of it. So if you don't have the support or for various other financial, I'm sure people still feel empowered if they do coaching with you and they feel they have done all they can do and ruled it out that that's, yes. you know, at least you feel like you're not in limbo. You've, you've yes. looked at the angle. Absolutely. That's really important, actually. And, you know, sometimes, as you said, the outcome is exactly that, you know, and, and I write about this too in my blogs. I mean, um, and I, I need to do more of it because there is that side of it where it's not for me. I'm going to move on and not continue my life in limbo. And that's a huge piece. And, and you know, this work, this coaching support might help women get to that point. I know myself now, I've looked at it, it's not for me, or I don't think being a solo mom is for me. I don't think I could cope with the sleepless nights. You know, we're all different. Yeah. So it's it's about knowing ourselves. And that's what I hope. But, you know, but if we can, you know, because this can be a very stressful journey and so many things in life can stress us out. We know that and we know it's how we cope with it. But like when we're in a state of stress and um, the nervous system is in high alert, we're in danger from that place, as well as it physically um, creating all sorts of issues in our body, such as increased heart rate, compromised digestive system, hormonal system going crazy. We're not able to make the best choices. We're not able to see clearly. We're not able to make decisions. And just being able to manage the stressful response in our body through simple things such as breathing techniques, such as um, some of the self-acupressure, self-shiatsu points I teach people through visualizations, through mindfulness techniques. All of these tools and many others are ways that we can help manage our inner environment. So these are things that I can do on a practical level to help people. So whether it's the women in the, that we're talking about, whether it's women coping with menopause, which is where I'm at now as well, and um, or whether it's the high level execs in the corporate environment. So we all have stress at different times, but this is one journey that's very stressful. But as I said in one of my blogs, for me personally, it was more stressful you know, the period in my late 30s through to my late 40s when I decided those 10 years were much more stressful and much more of a roller coaster than the stress I suffered from the point I decided to go down the route of solo motherhood with double donors. So I sometimes ask people about, you know, you've had to take a number of detours to get to where you wanted to go. And do you wish you had had a more direct route I imagine that's hard to answer because if you had done anything differently you might have had Freya or you know you may have had another baby earlier on you know you it's hard to contemplate a route that doesn't lead to her yeah it's a very interesting question and I do I do contemplate this and I put a post up just the other day because I felt this pang of sadness that 
you know, um, Freya's never going to have a sibling. And, um, you know, she's getting quite social now. And okay, she goes to a little preschool three mornings a week. So I can do a bit of work. But um, yeah, other than that, it's me and her. And I do realise I'm trying to find playmates for her. So I do feel a bit sad that I won't be giving her a sibling. But then, as you said, I wouldn't have any other child. She would not be who she is. And it took me the time it took and the detours that I took to get where I am. And not just in terms of being a mother to Freya, but in terms of the work I'm doing in the corporate world, in terms of my yoga class I give on a Sunday morning in Wicklow, in terms of everything I'm doing, the person I am, it took me these detours. So along the way, I might have questioned myself and gone, why did I do that? Why did I make that crazy decision? But none of them were crazy decisions, as I know, as I learned, as I, you know, especially through my coaching course, and that they were the decisions I made. They weren't right or wrong decisions, or they weren't, you know, we can follow one path or the other. Neither are wrong. And I never wanted to look back in life and say, I regret not having done all I could to be a mother. And kind of that was another big turning point for me was that realization. So even if it didn't work out and I didn't become a mother, at least I would be able to say, well, I really tried, you know, I really tried and it didn't happen. But to not try, to not go the extra mile for me would have meant a life lived full of regret and I would have been sad and I would have been depressed. So I think that's really, really important to mention as well. Well, this has been a really powerful chat. I suppose I was so interested in it and there's, there's so many different aspects to it and you've so much going on with your your job as well so which is so fascinating so it sounds like there's an exciting road ahead the next chapter for you is there anything you want to say about that the next chapter yeah well I suppose I'm excited to get a little bit more time for me to make the effort to have a night away from Freya and you know make make changes with our relationship but it's I'm letting it happen in in an organic way um, you know, there are changes happening. And on a professional level, I suppose, because I merge very much my professional work with what I'm passionate about, which gives me most meaning, which is connecting with women and supporting and helping women in different environments. Um, so it's, you know, my yoga, where I bring in um, my different tools in the corporate setting as well, and any workplace. And then the motherhood clarity coaching and so I'm really looking forward to connecting with more people to building more community to connecting with more women particularly solo mothers and and perhaps older mothers because I do think sometimes there's a bit of a gap I feel and I'm aware of that and um, I have made some lovely lovely connections with women and I need to make some changes now to have a little bit of time back for me again you know, when it comes to exercise and dancing again, the things that I love to do. So there are things I'm looking forward to. Freya's getting bigger. We're having a party for her now at the weekend, coming up at the weekend. We have a very exciting big trip planned later in the year, which will be a combination of work and pleasure. And that's like a dream come true. So I'll be um, merging work. A wonderful trip, Bali. Oh, wow. Amazing. I was there back in 96 when I was 26 years of age. So, um, and I plan to perhaps 
lead workshops there again at some point. So all of these things are going to help give me, uh, fill up my own cup, I suppose, as well, and feed that little bit of a need to travel and, you know, see beyond a little bit. My life has been quite, um, I'm not going to say small, but, you know, it is quite contained in many ways, rearing a small a baby up through a small child alone. It, it is, I suppose, we, we don't go very far. So, yeah, so there's lots of things to look forward to. Yeah, well, Bali sounds like far yes. enough for this year. So I could literally stay talking to you all day. Oh. I think we'll need to um, finish up. So where can people find you? Yeah. If, I suppose people might be interested from a corporate wellbeing point of view, but also if there's any women in the situation that they are trying to make the, the type of decisions that you have yeah. to. Absolutely. So kerrywellbeing.com is my website. When people land on my website, they're going to see three different services. There's going to be my motherhood clarity coaching. There's going to be my workplace well-being. And there's going to be my personal well-being, which is my yoga, my shiatsu, and my my one-to-one coaching, general life coaching. Um, so they can just have a little look around my website and see how these things weave together and um, get in touch with me that way is probably the best way I'd love to hear from anybody if um, they feel that I can support them and just have a chat. And I offer a free discovery coaching call as well, which is about 30 minutes. So I'm really happy to for people to send me a message and we can arrange a discovery call to see if I can help them in any way. Great. So I put all those details in the show notes and um, I'll tag your your social media as well. Thanks so much. Um, It has been great. So much valuable information for everybody, not just people on the the solo motherhood. And yeah, thanks a million. Happy birthday to Freya. And happy birthday to you, Elaine. Most importantly. Thanks a million. Thanks to my lovely guest today and thanks to those of you that listened. If you like this episode, please share or tell a friend. I'll be back next time to talk to another amazing lady who has reinvented her next chapter.